0: Let's think about these words of Paul. If you have been raised up with Christ, if, if, begins with a therefore, but then he goes, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep singing, seeking things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things that are in earth. How hard is that? Pretty hard, right? I mean, we, we accomplish that occasionally in our lives and for periods of time, for hours in the day, perhaps for some days all day long. But if you think that's hard for you to seek after and accomplish, think about what that sounds like to somebody who doesn't know the story that's in the book. Think about what that sounds like to people who are raised in the Jesus culture of our nation but never really hear the story straight from the horse's mouth. Think about what that means to somebody who's trying to make sense of that. Keep your eyes on things above? Well, I'm not dying. I'm alive. And life is here on earth, right? Life is in my family. Life is in my job. Life is in the things I can get and the things I can enjoy. Life is right here in me and around me. I got to focus on that. And I'll go to church on Sunday, and then I'll focus on Jesus. But between now and then, what am I going to do? If I don't know Jesus, I'm going to focus on me. I'm going to focus on what I can get. And when I get in a real bind, I'll holler out to God and give him a shout. You know, I I believe God's kind of up there. Uh, Fifty percent of our people in the United States believe that. Some of them, however, have never even really heard about Jesus. Not in any meaningful way. So what we talk about and what we feel this morning is for In family, you might say. But that's not what we are thinking about when we're doing it, are we? When we're thinking about Christ being raised from the dead for us, then we're thinking about the people we know who have not yet been raised through faith in Christ, right? And that becomes like this part of Easter. And we start looking and seeking for words that we can say or things that we can do that will move them closer to the Lord. Well, I want to make a suggestion Let's listen to how God decided he was going to handle that. Because, you see, those women, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, as she's called in the Gospel of Matthew, went to the tomb to see Jesus according to Matthew. Now, I know there are some other Gospel stories you're familiar with that talk about they were going there to anoint his body with spices, but not according to Matthew. We can talk about the the differences in another sermon, okay? Okay. But today, I want you to think about Matthew. He said they went there to see Jesus. Now, when they last saw Jesus, he was dead. They had witnessed and saw his punishment, his crucifixion, and his death. They knew where the tomb was, the place where his body had been laid. They knew that. And so they went there to see the tomb and just, probably just to grieve and to think about what they'd experienced in the last two and a half years from this man who they thought was going to be the salvation of Israel, who they thought was going to be the salvation of the whole world. But the last time they saw him, he was dead. So they made their tomb that way that morning, and the first day was really permissible after the Sabbath. To go and be at that tomb and to see where their dead Jesus was. I'm sure their grief was heavier than we can even imagine because they had lived and been around Jesus constantly for two and a half years, most of that time. They had been in that band of outer disciples, if you will, who were following him around, listening to his teachings, watching the healings, seeing the thousands fed. They were the ones who saw Lazarus raised from the tomb. They're They had been there. They had bought in, sort of, until he died. When he died, everything was messed up. They needed a game changer. They needed someone to take the reality that they had experienced and turn it around and give it new meaning, give it new life. Now, God in heaven was not unaware of, what we human beings needed. And you remember when God decided to introduce the game changer, it was back what we celebrated at Christmas, right? When he sent Jesus from heaven and made him human. When he brought to earth the God-man. And how did he get here? First, by the announcement of an angel, right? An angel got Mary's attention, got Joseph's attention in the end, right? And what Matthew is doing now is he's saying, you think he's dead, but look what's about to happen. And then it began. How is God going to introduce Jesus, this game changer, now he's a dead, to these people who've been with him? Are you ready? You remember the story I read earlier? Let's start with a little earthquake. Let's let the ground start shaking. Let's get the attention of these two Marys who are standing there looking at that tomb with the door shut because from heaven, like a bolt of lightning, comes an angel. Now, I don't know when you last saw your angel, but did he come on a bolt of lightning? Because that's a big, powerful angel, right? I mean, that angel came swooping down, and he was glowing. He was like he was a full electricity, and he was glowing white as pure snow. And then he came right down into that stone, and he took one hand. Maybe he took one finger. He might have blown it. I don't know what he did. But what he did is he moved that stone by himself out of the way. Can you imagine what those Marys were thinking? Whoa, what's going to be happening next? And you know what that angel did? According to Matthew, he just went up there and perched himself on top of that stone, probably crossed his legs and say, what's up? what's up you came here to see Jesus right I know you did he isn't here he's not here now remember they got there and the door was closed nobody had robbed the grave nobody had taken the body of Jesus and moved it because it was surrounded by Roman guards oh those guards when that angel came those big powerful strong guards you know what they were doing they were terrified and they were paralyzed. They couldn't move a muscle. They were like, don't you know they said something when they finally got unparalyzed? But they were paralyzed in that moment. It's what the Scripture literally says, standing there watching all this happening without the ability to respond. Go on in, the angel said. Look, see for yourself that he's not there. And they did. Then he said, Go, go to Galilee. You'll see him there. Now these women who were not believing left the garden to go tell the other disciples. Where were the men? Where were those eleven men? first ordained preachers were women. Just thought I'd let you in on that. You don't hear a lot about that in churches. You don't hear a lot about it from the disciples. In fact, when the women show up and tell them what they've seen, what the disciples say, man, y'all been drinking or something. I mean, y'all are out of your head. That couldn't have happened. It didn't happen that way. And, you know, they weren't going to believe. But the women knew it was going to believe. You know why they knew it? Because when they left to go turn, according to Matthew, they ran into Jesus. And when they see Jesus... Even before they see him, Jesus said, what's up? Well, okay, maybe he said, behold, I don't know. But he greeted them, is what the Scripture says, literally. He greeted them. And when he greeted them, what did they do? They weren't dummies. They fell to their feet, grabbed his feet, and touched the dead man who was now alive. And the Scripture says, according to Matthew, they worshiped him. They worshiped him. And then he said, don't be afraid. Everybody's always getting afraid in Scripture, right? Don't be afraid. Now get up and go tell the other disciples what you've seen and tell them to go to Galilee and they'll see me there. Now, this thing about don't be afraid. When you were little, what did you learn about when your parents said, now don't be afraid? You knew there was something to be afraid of, right? Right? You might have been young and dumb before that, but once they tell you, don't be afraid, you go, oh, no, what's going to happen now? Because something big is going to happen, you know? You're outside, and a big thundercloud comes up, and, you know, when you were little, those thunderclouds, man, they looked powerful. The lightning started popping, and the thunder started roaring, and you started getting afraid, and your parents said, don't be afraid, and you were thinking, okay, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, and then the lightning hits close, and you go, I'm afraid. What do you mean, don't be afraid? Who wouldn't be afraid at that? Well, who wouldn't be afraid of meeting a man who's died, and now he's alive? They're, certainly they were afraid. They couldn't understand it. I'm have to skip that part. Let me go back to that. You can't understand resurrection. Some people think they can prove it by writing a book. Baloney. Sorry, Josh. Evidence that demands verdict. Well, it doesn't demand a verdict. I mean, you can believe it if you want to, but it doesn't demand a verdict. There's no evidence that proves... Jesus walked out of that tomb and didn't disappear some other way except to those two Marys. Now, they happened to have been there, and that was exactly what God knew was needed for a game changer. The first resurrection had to be something that somebody would not forget. It had to be something that was more powerful than any stories they'd ever heard. It had to be more something more powerful than the human mind could conceive. You can't whip it up in a potion for somebody to come back three days later from death by crucifixion and suddenly be alive. You can't do that. And this alive person, this resurrected form, was all of it. There weren't any bones left in that tomb. It all got resurrected. Otherwise, they would never have believed. The first people to witness resurrection got to actually not only see the empty tomb... They got to touch Jesus and tell others about him. Now, when did those other disciples believe it? Not until they saw him too. And then over a period of some 50 days or so, he kept appearing to them and talking to them. In fact, Paul says at one place he appeared to over 500 people, the resurrected Christ. God knew that it was humanly impossible to conceive of life after death. Humanly impossible impossible for someone to go, I heard this story about a man named Jesus, and I just decided to believe. Sometimes we who have been in the church all our lives, we forget how hard it is to believe that message in the face of science, in the face of everything we've experienced on earth. I just haven't met too many people walking around that says, well, I died six years ago, but I'm back now. I've never met one of those jokers. Have you? not people who really died in the flesh and came back in a a resurrected body. We don't meet those people. So when we tell about one, we're getting it not secondhand, not thirdhand. We're getting it each generation and to each person that shares it. But we're not getting it through words, not even beautiful words that are sung, certainly not eloquent words that are preached. We're getting it because we choose by the driven power of God's Holy Spirit who is wooing calling every one of us to believe we only get it once we believe now i had a brother-in-law that i I never really figured him out he didn't stay around too many years but early on in the years he decided i'd missed my calling i don't remember it was one day we were having some kind of family talk and while we were talking about it, he looked at me after he says you know what you missed your calling and i said i did what was my calling supposed to be He said, you should have been a politician that you could talk your way through anything. <laughs> and I thought, well, yeah, maybe. But you know what? I can't talk anybody into believing the resurrection. Never have been able to. I think it would have been a cute trick if God had given it to me. Because, man, I could have made a difference in this world. If I could just say something people would just believe, I'd do it. Because believing it is in their best interest. It's in the best interest of every human. But the reality is you can't talk somebody into believing They have to choose because of what they're experiencing in their heart and in their mind. They have to choose to believe. They have to believe this story before they'll ever really understand it. You don't believe and then experience it. You believe and the experience comes after it. It comes after it. Because you see, Jesus shows up in your life. He shows up as the Holy Spirit who assures you that what you believe is true. He assures you that the scriptures are read. He causes you to believe it. That's the only way it can happen. You can't cause anybody to believe a story like this. Well, they'll put you in jail for that if you're in the wrong place. You ever been to any of these uh, places where we lock people up because we say they're crazy? Man, religious psychosis and being crazy are right up against each other. <laughs> in fact, I once had a seminary professor that told me I was crazy because I believed in a literal resurrection of Jesus. I said, that's funny. I was thinking the same thing about you. You know, you're crazy because you don't believe in a physical resurrection of Jesus. Well, well, why do you believe? Because I've met the dude and he's inside me. You know, that's why I really believe. In the beginning, I decided to trust even though I didn't know him. In the beginning, I was a teenager sitting on the back row messing around with three other boys my age. And we were in trouble more than we were not. It's a miracle I'm alive because my daddy sang in the choir. He was six foot two and he saw it all. I'm amazed he didn't kill me right then. Because we would do things. I was back on the clip-on ties, and one of our friends had two of them, actually, of the four. loved to reach over and grab your tie and then throw it down the road right in the middle of the sermon. <laughs> My daddy saw it. I don't know why we weren't struck by lightning, but we weren't. We sat back way back down the back. We thought we were hidden by Oscar Carlisle, five and 300-plus pounds. We thought they couldn't see us at all. I remember the day we dropped a marble. It was a sanctuary sloping down. I remember the day we heard it rolling all the way down from the back bar, till it hit the chancel rail, and right then I knew I was dead. But I was going to blame it on somebody else, right? It wasn't my marble. Thank God I'm still alive. I didn't believe much when I was a teenager. I didn't want to go to hell. I believed I wanted to go to heaven. I met Jesus. I accepted him as my Savior, but I believed about that much. In fact, I even believe he was calling me to preach at that point. But I—I I got that right out of my head. I said, "Man, I'm not going to be one of those Methodist preachers. Look at how funny they dress, you know. I wasn't going to do that." I got a little older. I got married. Man, you marry a wife like Sally, you'll find some religion. <laughs> yeah. Good to see you, darling. Good to see you. Of course. She found some religion, too, when she married me. I don't know how that would happen, but anyway, we found it together. She had a lot more of it than I had early on in the beginning. But, you know, as we began to go to Bible studies and really read this book for the first time, when I was in my mid-20s for me to start reading it seriously, I started meeting Jesus. I knew about him before then, but then I started really trusting him. The more I trusted him, the more I met him, the more I heard him until finally my whole life was changed, the resurrection of Jesus started becoming the pivotal event in my life. Everything else took its meaning from that point on. And you know what? That hadn't reached its fullest potential yet. I'm still being remade week by week and year by year. Yeah, I know some of you are thinking, man, aren't you getting kind of old to be changing? Nah. Every year, I'm more convinced than ever that Jesus the man is the Christ of our salvation. Every year I'm more convinced that the realness of it cannot be explained. It only comes after we decide to trust him. After we decide to trust him. Once we trust him with our life and begin to read this book, we'll be like the two Marys. We'll be walking along and he'll show up and he'll say, Hey, what's up? I'm real. And we'll stand there just like they did with our mouths open and say, oh, my, it really happened. And from that moment on, we'll keep looking for those moments when we'll talk to Jesus and he'll talk to us through the scriptures and in our prayer times. And we'll remember the words of the angel of Jesus, too, when they said, do not fear. I feel so sorry for people who are afraid in this world. You don't have to be afraid. You said, preacher, do you know how bad things out there, how bad they are? Yeah, I do. I've held the hand of teenagers the night before he died. I've buried children who were arm size that you carried to the grave. I've held the hands of people who didn't believe and who died in unbelief. I know what, how tough the world can be. But you know what? There's nothing in this world that is so tough that the love of God will not overcome it. Amen. Now, I know you say and you think, yeah, but you there's some things. What about this? The love of God always overcomes even the evil of this world. Now, sometimes it doesn't happen until we're out of this world. But sometimes it happens right in front of the faces we're sitting in. It happens right there. In this congregation, we've seen God's healing power extend lives for years beyond what doctors thought they could we've seen it we have witnessed it we believed it and once we've seen it and witnessed it and believed it we we believe it again and again and again does it always happen that way no evil does happen and bad things happen to us but i have never yet met anything in my 65 years that is more evil or more powerful than the love of god that i treasure in my heart nothing can take that from me nothing can make that not true Nothing can make that not real. No, not even the outcome of the event. Yeah, bad things happen. So what? You know how long you're here? Boom, about that long. Some of you are going, what's about to happen? Am I going somewhere? Yes, you're going to die. Get ready. My 92-year-old mother was at my house yesterday. You know what her doctor told her at 92 Says, you're going to live to be 100. Mama told me that yesterday. And I thought, Mama, you just might. You're short. You're redheaded. You're stubborn as I am. Actually, I guess I'm as stubborn as you are. You might make it. But she was smiling when she said it. She said, I might just do it. I said, go for it. But you know how long 100 years is? I remember. Remember when I was hurt or I was wounded, crawling up to her, and her taking care of my hurt and making it go away. I remember when my daddy was a young man, carrying us fishing and doing all kinds of things with us. It. it seems like yesterday that I was 15. I'm a little older than that now. And before long, the fact that I have Trusted in the resurrection it means I'm one of the resurrected people. It means I'm an Easter person. I don't look at things according to earthly standards. I look at things from the perspective of heaven. And heaven has an eternal perspective. It may be rough here, but something better's coming. It may be rough today, but tomorrow's coming. Such resurrection faith breeds hope. It bring, breeds trust. It breeds a relationship with a living presence of God himself when he comes to us and says, hey, what's up? I'm here. They couldn't kill me, and they can't kill you. That's what resurrection is about. I can't convince anybody of that. But if anybody will just dare to trust that Jesus was real, if anybody will just check it out, and say, I believe in Jesus and mean it, Jesus will come to them in the scriptures. Jesus will come to them in conversations. Jesus will reveal himself to them, but not until they've trusted in him first. I thought it was a bad plan, didn't you? I mean, two Marys, 11 bimbos back home, safety of the upper room, you know, shivering in their boots. Why not tell off? 10,000 at once. Surely everybody would believe then. No, nope, no, nope, just a couple of women. We're just going to do a couple of women here, and then I'm going to do 10 or 11 men. Then I'm going appear to appear to them several times because they're thick-headed. They won't get it. I'll just keep coming to them for 50 or 60 days, and I'm going back to heaven. And in the Gospel of John, it says, unlike Thomas, who believed because he saw Jesus, that scripture says, blessed are those who do not see and do not touch but believe. That's the heritage we receive and we pass on. That's all we can do is tell them the story. Invite them to believe. Encourage them to believe. Make believing as easy as possible for them because once they believe, then Jesus will start revealing himself to them. Now, I'm not talking about mental ascent. I'm talking about in their heart. They believe. They trust that the story is real. Show me a person who's trusted in Jesus and I'll show you someone who's met Jesus. Before long, God will come to them. (laughs) It's Easter. Isn't it good to be part of the Easter people? Wouldn't it be nice if everybody was an Easter person? If everybody was living without fear because they had trusted in the man Jesus who was the Christ the Savior of the world. If you're here today, this morning, and you don't know if you really believe that science is in your way or the muddled atrocities in your life or in, in your thoughts and you can't get them out, if you think life is too complicated for Jesus to be so simple, I just ask you to give God a chance. Just believe for a while, read for a while, pray for a while. Come back and see me in a few months. Come back and see me in a year or two because by then you'll know. Jesus is real. Because if you've trusted in him, he's on his way to you right now. If you want to meet him, we'd love to introduce you to him, Jesus, the Savior of the world. Because he's ready to.